Yeah. Ready to go, Woodland Church. Yeah, let's remain standing and let's pray. Father, you are here in this place, and we thank you for that. Thank you for this opportunity to join together in worship, to just focus on you, take a break from our week and stop, and together look at you, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would um, help us understand your word, show us your word and how to apply it to our lives so that we would leave changed. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, a while back, Chris and I had the opportunity to visit the Negev Desert in southern Israel. And while we were in the desert, Chris was determined to go on a camel ride. Who wouldn't be, really? I wasn't that excited about it, but she said, we got to do it. And we heard there was this Bedouin who had camels and took tourists on camel rides through the Negev. And the Bedouin tent actually showed up on Google Maps. So we drove out through the desert to a large tent in the middle of nowhere. And we walked into the tent, and we were immediately hit with what I hoped was the smell of burning incense. Uh, but if it was incense, it was definitely marijuana-scented. Um, but we met Mishka, this music-loving Bedouin. We immediately hit it off. He was amazing. Here's a picture of Mishka. Yeah. Well, he treated us with Bedouin hospitality, and then he got the camels ready. He picked one out for Chris, and she got on with no problem. And then he looked at me, and he said, I chose this one for you. And I got on my camel, and it started to stand up like they do, you know, the back first and then the front, and almost throws you off. But about halfway up, my camel let out this loud moan and groan, like, why'd you give me this big guy? It's been a tough day, and I'm like, come on, you're a camel. I'm not that bad. But Mishka led us out into the desert, and here's a picture of Chris and I on our camels. And Chris always led the way. I followed. But as we went to the Negev, Mishka told us all these interesting facts about this desert environment that was his home. And one time, though, he stopped and excitedly pulled up this plant, and he said, this is great. If I put this plant in hot water, it makes this healing tea. And he said, I'm not sure what you call this plant in English. And I had no idea what that so-called healing plant was. But when we finished the camel ride, Mishka invited us back into the tent. And he said, sit down while I take this plant, heat up some water, and I'll make us a healing tea. And when he left, I looked at Chris and said, should we drink this? I mean, it could be a hallucinogenic drug. We don't know. But we drank it. It tasted terrible. I still don't know what it was. But I felt really good the rest of the day. That's all I knew. All the pain was gone. Never miss an opportunity in the desert. Hey, Mishka told us a lot of things about camels. Uh, he told us they can travel nearly 20 miles a day through the desert, that they drink about 30 gallons of water in 10 minutes, and that in the wintertime, they can go six or seven months without drinking anything. So camels were really made for the desert. Carrie and I really weren't made for the desert. And we couldn't last a day on our own. We just kept looking at each other and saying, oh, wow, if we were out here on our own, we would just die. We couldn't do it. And you may not be made for the desert, but when it comes to the deserts of life, the desert was made for you. 
The desert was made for you. God allows us to go through times, those desert times in our lives, the times when it seems really barren, the landscape seems empty, it feels like we're all alone and we're just dried up. We don't see any hope in sight. And those deserts time of life are the times that we can find treasure that we could never find anywhere else. And that's why we're starting this new series that we're calling Rivers in the Desert, finding the source of blessing in the middle of life's problems. It's based on Psalms 126. So would you open your Bibles to 126 in Psalms and stand in honor of God's word with us. And read along with me as I read Psalm 126, beginning with verse four. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. You can be seated. We want to take you to the Negev Desert right now on a really windy, really windy, but hot desert day. Just watch. I'm here in the Negev Desert in Israel, and the Negev really means a dry place. And that's exactly what this is. And I'm in um, Mitzvah Ramon, which is in the southern part of Israel. It's really close to Egypt and Jordan. But this is the Negev Desert, and it's mentioned several times in the Bible. But of course, we're starting a new series in Psalm 126, where David said, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev which is pretty amazing to think about. I'm here at the Ramon Crater, and as you look down into the crater, you see wadis. Now, wadis are dry riverbeds, and everything is so dry here. There's hardly any plants, but it does rain, not very much, but when it rains, these wadis fill with water, and they're streams of water, rivers, fast-running water, and then all of the plants just come to life again. And I believe that's what God wants to do in your life through this series. We're going to look at how God wants to send his stream of healing, his stream of joy, his stream of peace into our hearts, this Holy Spirit, to bring us alive again. It was really windy. My hair was blowing, as you could see. It was, it was a tough day out there in the Negev. Hey, there are a couple of things the Bible tells us about the deserts of life that are game changers. First, God's greatest blessings are found in the middle of life's deserts. We think we have to get out of the desert so that we can experience God's blessings, but God wants to bring his river of restoration right to where we are, right in the middle of the desert that we're in. But when you're walking through the desert of life, it's really hard to see anything good about the place that you're in. In fact, it feels like you're in a place of emptiness and desolation where there are no blessings in sight. There seems to be no sign of restoration or fulfillment on the horizon. All you can see is dry riverbeds, and it feels like the river of joy in your life has turned into the dust of despair. Your river of peace has dried up and become a wilderness of worry. But don't believe everything you see. It's just a mirage the enemy wants to use to keep us from the greatest treasures of life. I want us to look again at Psalm 126.4. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. 
God can bring restoration to the most desolate places in our lives. God can bring fulfillment to the emptiest places in our souls. Now we pray, God, get me out of the desert. And that's a good prayer because God will get you through the desert to a place of great blessings. If you're in the middle of the desert of life right now, God is gonna get you through. God is gonna walk you through the desert to this great place of blessing. But first, he wants to bless you right where you are, even in the middle of the deserts of life. You see, if God immediately took you out of every desert in life, as soon as you walked into it, you would miss out on God's greatest blessings, like peace, joy, purpose, strength, provision. I mean, you can only experience God's peace when you're right in the middle of the desert of anxiety and stress, and the heat is on, and the pressures of life just feel overwhelming, and you cry out to God in the desert, and God sends a river of peace that floods your soul, that settles your mind, and fills your heart with comfort. It's not that God takes away all your problems. He gives you an unexplainable peace in the middle of your problems. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Real peace of mind and heart can't be found on a vacation to a spa resort. It can only be found in the middle of the pressures of life. When you turn to God and he gives you a peace in your soul when there's chaos going on all around you. And there's only one place you can find real peace. It's in the middle of anxiety. The only place you can find real joy is in the middle of problems. The only place you can find real contentment is in the middle of waiting, going through those deserts of delay. We have to go through the desert because it's the only place where we can really find the things that our hearts are longing for. And there's something else surprising, and that's that God's greatest miracles are found in the desert. See, the desert is where God reveals himself to us. That's the greatest desert miracle. It's not what he does, but how he reveals himself to us. We get to actually know God. The desert is just a place of growth and transformation. It's a lot of times the best place for those things to take place. The desert is where the transformation in life happens, where my character goes from where it is now to where it needs to be. And when God comes through for you in the desert, it builds your faith and it builds your character. And the next time you encounter a desert, you're more ready than the last time. But there's one thing that's always true of time spent in the desert. You will emerge from the desert different than you were when you entered. You're gonna walk out a different person than you were when you entered that desert, that challenge, that dry time. It'll be different than the desert, you'll be different than you were when you walked in. And you'll either come out bitter or you'll come out better. So what can we do when we find ourselves in those desert times of life so that we can experience a river of blessings starting right there while we're still in the desert? Well, the first thing is, don't run from your pain. Now, this seems totally counterintuitive, right? I mean, that's nonsense. Pain is bad. I want to avoid hurt. I want to avoid painful circumstances. But the problem is that none of us will go through life pain-free. 
The crazy thing is that it's when we run from our hardships, when we say, oh, no way, I, get me out of here. I can't handle this. And we either ignore them or we anesthetize by just opening the fridge or opening our computer. When whatever way we use to try to get away from our pain, try to forget our pain for a while or pretend that our troubles don't exist, the pain just gets greater. Have you ever experienced that? The more we run away and try to ignore our pain, the more it hurts. And that grief just grows stronger. That addiction gets a tighter grip. If I try to run out of the desert to avoid the pain and ignore all my problems, I get stuck in the desert. But if I stop running from the pain and I face it and I feel it as much as I don't want to, I stop and I feel it and I bring it to God, then he brings a river of healing right into my desert of brokenness. Look at our passage again in Psalm 126, verse 5. It says, those who sow with tears reap with songs of joy. The problem is, I want to reap the joy without ever having sown the tears. And too often when I'm in the desert, I don't want to feel the grief. I don't want to let God beat me and move me there and experience his love for me in fresh, deep ways. I just want to get out. I don't want to learn about character. I don't want to learn about diligence and strength. I don't want to go through the experiences that increase my compassion for others by increasing my personal understanding of suffering and hardships. But how you choose to spend your time in the desert matters. It matters a lot. Did you know that it's only about an eight-day walk from Egypt to Israel? An eight-day walk. The promised land was only an eight-day walk away for those Egyptians when they were going to Israel, to the promised land. But how long did it take them? Forty years. Not eight days. Forty years they wandered in the desert. Why? Well, because they kept running from their pain instead of bringing it to God. They got stuck in the desert. And God worked miracle after miracle after miracle in the desert for them. But every single time they ran into another problem, they would just complain. They would gripe. They'd say, oh, great, God. What'd you do? Just bring us out of that problem to stick us in this one? You see, what you do in the deserts of life really matters. It matters a lot to God. And we see such a clear picture of that from the Israelites. Because out of those thousands of Israelites who walked through the Red Sea, when God parted the sea for them, only two of them, two, Joshua and Caleb, entered the promised land. Their complaining generation never made it out of the desert. Wow, that is a wake-up call for me. When I stop and I think, that is how seriously God takes complaining in the desert? That eight days turns into 40 years because they never learned the lesson? Well, look what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, you will go through deserts in life. We shouldn't be surprised then, right? You will go through deserts in life, but take heart, don't despair, because I have overcome every desert that this world can throw at you. That's what Jesus is saying to you today. For the believer, there is no pain without a purpose. Now, Think about a lump of clay. It's a, a lump, a dry lump of clay. It just sits there useless. What use is a lump of clay? To become anything otherwise than just a useless lump 
It has to be poked and pushed and prodded and thrown and molded and kneaded and rolled and squeezed and then baked in a fire. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8 says this, but now, O Lord, you are our father and we are the work of your hands, your clay, and you are our potter and we are all the work of your hand. He is the potter and we are the clay. God himself compares us to a lump of clay. And he says, you're useless in the form you're in. You are a lump of clay. But if you will allow me to poke and prod and squeeze and roll and do what I need to to create something really useful and beautiful out of you, boy, I will do it. So many times I've been that lump of clay that just rolls off the potter's wheel and lands in a lump on the floor. And the potter picks me up and throws me back again until we learn our lesson of staying there. You see, the goal of the desert that you're in today is change, personal transformation. And unfortunately, easy stuff just doesn't change us. Do you ever feel squished and squeezed and flattened? Well, if you feel that way today, it's a holy moment. If you will realize that the God of the universe has his hands on you right now. So don't run from your pain or you'll miss out on the blessings. And the second thing is embrace the place. When you're in the middle of the desert, it doesn't mean that you're not in the middle of God's will. So many times it's God who allows us to go into the desert. The middle of the desert is the place where God works his greatest miracles in our lives. But we try to race past the place and we miss the miracle. Moses found himself in the desert of life. Moses was born a Hebrew, and yet God raised him up to become the prince of Egypt, and he knew God had called him to be the deliverer, to set his people free from slavery. And he tried to do it his way, and he failed miserably. He had to run for his life into the desert, and he was in the desert for years, just tending sheep, thinking God had completely forgotten him. But God meets him right there in that desolate place in the form of a burning bush. Moses' river in the desert was a burning bush. And look at this passage where God speaks through the bush in Exodus 3, 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God says, Moses, you don't realize it, but you're on holy ground. And Moses is looking at the ground around his feet and says, this is just a little piece of that desolate desert I've been in for 40 years. And God says, no, it's holy ground. Mm -hmm. God is saying, because I'm here, this piece of desert is now a divine place. When God shows up in the place in the desert that you're going through, that place becomes holy ground. It becomes a place of miracles. It becomes a place of blessing. It becomes a place of life change. And God tells Moses, Hey, take off your shoes and stay a while. Stop racing past this place and take your shoes off and embrace the sacred place and the desert you're in. Don't run past this sacred moment you're in or you'll miss the miracle. And some of you right now are in the middle of the desert and you're doing everything that you can to get out of it. And I want you just to stop for a moment today and take your shoes off and realize the place in the desert you're in right now is a holy place. It's a healing place. It's a hopeful place. 
And it's a place that's as close to heaven as you're going to get on this earth. You can embrace the place because God is embracing you right now. You have to embrace the place or you'll race right past the place and you'll miss the river of blessing that God has for you. You see, God is gonna lead you out of that desert, but he wants to bless you in the middle of the desert and if you race past it, you'll get stuck in the desert like the children of Israel. It's a paradox of life. If you try to get yourself out of the desert on your own, you're gonna get stuck in the desert. And if you try to run ahead of God, you're gonna miss the river of blessing that's coming. Is God's gonna bring the river of blessing and then everything around you is going to bloom and he's gonna bring the place of blessing right to where you are. To embrace the place though, you have to surrender control to God. And that's the toughest thing. You're praying, God, get me out of this. And God's not doing what you want at the moment. He's gonna get you out of it, but he's just saying, not yet. It's a big difference between no and not yet. When I tell my kids, not yet, when they were little, that was really different from no, but they felt like it was about the same thing. But God says to us, hey, not yet. And we have to surrender to him and say, God, I don't like it, but you know what's best. I'm gonna stop trying to control this situation. I'm gonna stop racing past this desert so I don't get stuck in it. I'm just gonna surrender to you. I love the serenity prayer that we pray all the time in our restoration ministry, and you've heard it. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, that's the part that we all know, but the next part, the rest of the serenity prayer is the most powerful part. It says, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. You see, it comes down to surrendering. When we're going through hardship, we don't run from the pain. We face it, we feel it, we give it to God, and then we surrender to God and say, God, I don't like this, but... I give up to you because I can't fix this one. I can't control this one. I can't change this one. I can't go back in time and make it all good again. I have to accept this. And so, God, I just surrender to you because I know you're going to bring a river of blessing to me right in the middle of the pain, right in the middle of this hardship. You've got a blessing for me. And I'm gonna wait here until you either get me out of this desert or until you bring the river of blessing. You're gonna have to do it, God. And I'm expecting your river of blessing because you promised. I'm waiting for your river of blessing because you promised. And you always keep your promises. The third and last thing that we want you to see, during those desert times, we need to step into the place of blessing. Even while we're still in the desert, so often we think the place of blessing is outside of the desert, but there's a place of blessing in the desert. In the desert, water is everything. And Jesus compared his Holy Spirit to living water. In John 7, 
verse 38. He said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? So how can we align ourselves with God's purpose to us so that this river can come to us? Have you ever heard two notes in music played together that just clash? I mean, it just grates on your ear. I've asked for a little help here. Can you give us an example of two notes that really would just clash? And just hold those notes. Yeah, just hold that there. Even I get that, and I don't know music. (laughs) There's something about two notes that are clashing that just hurts our ears. Maybe your child just started off in band, and you're going through the endurance test now of those practice times that you need to have every day. Hang on, guys. It's worth it. Hang on. But when two notes collide like that, it's called dissonance. And the only thing that will resolve dissonance is if one note changes to fall into harmony. Can you give us an example of harmony? Yeah. Isn't that so beautiful? It's just pleasing to our ear as opposed to notes that are just clashing. Now, you feel relief when two notes that are at dissonance finally fall into harmony because one changes. So here's the thing. In life... God is the symphony that we need to tune to. When circumstances feel grating and uncomfortable, when we want to escape or complain, that's the time we need to realize, wow, I need to attune to the Holy Spirit. Somebody's out of tune here, and it's me. It's always me. I'm the one who has to change. God sets the tone of the symphony. Wouldn't it be crazy if one instrument in a symphony was playing wildly off key, and then they just stood up and said, hey, what's the problem with all of you? You're all wrong. No, it doesn't work that way. God is the symphony. He is the creator of the universe, and he is playing his symphony through our lives, through this, through everything that goes on in our lives and our families and our world, and we need to attune to his Holy Spirit. So if you're in the desert right now, I have a question for you. What are you tuning into? Are you working really hard to tune into your pain and just think and think and think and think about your pain? Now, it's good to get in touch with your pain, absolutely. Understandable, too. It aches. It hurts. But there comes a point where if we keep focusing on our pain instead of focusing on the Lord, focusing on what he wants to do, focusing on hope, focusing on those rivers in the desert, then that pain is on us and stays with us. We end up taking another lap around Mount Sinai. Are you spending time on soul tending, soul fillers, soul feeders, or soul depleters? Are you spending time on feeding your soul with the word, with good friends who'll give you wise counsel, or just mindlessly scrolling on your phone, or just changing channels, trying to find anything to distract you? How you tune into God and tune into his healing voice makes all the difference when you're in the desert. Focus on where God is moving. Search for the wadis. A wadi is a dry riverbed. And when you look at a desert, as we did when we were there, there, you just see wadis crisscrossing throughout the desert. There's no water in them. They're just as dry as everywhere else. But you can tell that's where the water used to be. It's where the stream in a desert has been before. And that's called a wadi, and you can see where it's been. So if you're in a desert, in an actual sandy desert like the Negev, and you need water, The best thing to do is, well, 
I would head for the dry wadi because when the water does come, and it will, when the water comes, I'll be in position. I'll be in place. I'm ready for that water to come. I can see where he's moved before, and I'm going to get in place in expectation of him moving again. That's how it is when we're in the deserts of life. Where does God move? That's where I want to be. Yeah, and we know some of the dry riverbeds that we need to step into because God is coming. God is bringing his river of blessing to those areas. I mean, you don't have to pray, God, where's your river of blessing? You just have to obey and step into those places where the river's coming. And one of those places is spending time with God each day, reading his word, and just talking to him before you go off into your day, maybe 10 minutes. Another one of those places is church. You need to be here in church because God's river of blessing flows through the body of Christ. And if you haven't joined a church family, this is the fall for you to join, to connect to a church family. And we have our membership class. I believe it's next weekend. And you can sign up for that at both of our campuses. That's how you joined Woodlands Church. And it's just a baby step. But I'm telling you, you're going to miss the river of blessing if you don't do these basic things that God calls us to do. That's why you shouldn't miss church if if you're not gone, if you don't have to, either online or at one of our campuses because God speaks at church. Most of the major decisions I've made in my life is because God spoke to me in my heart in a church service. And so God's river of blessing is coming that way. You need to connect to a church family. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian who's out there on his own and isn't connected to a church family. It's part of God's will for your life. Another part of God's will for your life is to connect to a life group. It's where life happens. It's great to come to the big worship. because I mean, the, the bigger worship is, the more exciting it is, the more powerful it can be as we're all singing together, uh, learning from God's word together. That's so important, that weekly worship. But then you also need a life group, a small group of people who don't have it all together, but they're going the right direction. And they're going through a lot of the same things you're going through, and, and you develop friends they care about you, you have fun together, you eat together, you do life together, you go through pain and problems together, you have joys together, that's what it's all about. If you're not in a life group, then you can never be all that God's called you to be, and you're gonna miss one of the greatest rivers of blessing, and that's why we think I don't have time for it, that's why we think I'm so busy doing everything else, but it comes down to that relationship, relationships. And I'm so excited because we're gonna step into as a church this fall, a huge river of blessing that's coming our way. We're doing something starting in September called the Joy Challenge, where we're gonna choose joy for 30 days and it's gonna change the rest of our lives. We're gonna learn how to choose joy and there's a choice in it and it's gonna change our lives. And so starting September 17th and 18th, I will be teaching every weekend for five weekends on the Joy Challenge. And we want everyone to get in a life group before we start. Everyone in the church, get in a life group before we start this because one night a week for five weeks, you're gonna meet in a life group and you're going to discuss what we've talked about. You're gonna have fun and fellowship and you're gonna experience a greater river of blessing in that life group than you even do here. And you're gonna learn together what it means to choose joy. And so, if you're not in a life group, 
You gotta connect to one. And I, I wanna ask you, if you're not in a life group, I challenge you to host one. And some of you that are in life groups, it's time for you to step out, one or two of you in each life group to step out and host one of our Joy Challenge life groups. And I'm telling you, it's so easy to host. All you have to do is open your home and then put out some refreshments. Invite maybe four or five friends, neighbors, people that you hang out with. And then we'll send you some more people that sign up to be in life groups that live in your neighborhood or going through the same age or stage you're going through. We have so many different types of life groups. We have singles life groups. We have young couples with no children life groups, and those are the best ones because these guys, I mean, you know, they're always doing something fun, you know, in their life group. They're floating down the Guadalupe. They're doing all these things. And, and then we have um, young couples with preschoolers, and they don't do anything. They just go to their life group and just talk about how tough it is and how they're not getting any sleep, and all those kind of things, and they come up here to the playground and have their little time together sometimes, and then we have couples with children, couples with teenagers, and they just commiserate. You know, it's a, it's a great one to go, hey, man, it's been tough for me. Yeah, can't wait till they leave. It's gonna be amazing, you know? It's like, yeah. And then we have empty nesters, and, and all different types of life groups, men's life groups, women's life groups, but I just wanna challenge you. Right now, if you're not in a life group, host one. I'm telling you, it's so easy. Think about two or three friends right now that you can invite, and I wanna challenge everyone today to sign up to host. And here's what we're gonna do, something very different we've never done before. I want you to take out your smartphone right now. Take it out, I'm just gonna wait until you do. Take it out right now, you're gonna be here all day if you don't take it out, because we're sending people around to check right now. To check, I mean, you can, I mean, you can check the scores if you want while you're doing this. This is the greatest thing ever at church. You can check your news feed. You can, I mean, you can give right now, so. <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I want you right now, you can go to wc.org. We're gonna see how good our Wi-Fi is, wc.org, and you'll see a big banner that says host a life group. Or you can do this QR code right now. Some of you seniors are, what in the heck? I can't even figure that out. And I'm talking about me. So anyway, um, you, it'll go right to it. Host a group, click on host a group right now. Just click on that. Once you get to, you see the banner, host a group. And it's so simple. And then it goes to where you fill out just a little page. You fill it out. And here's the thing. We're gonna get in touch with you. We're gonna help you all along the way. We're gonna get you the, curriculum, which you don't have to teach it at all. You don't teach it. It's just Chris and I for 10 minutes on video that we give you free. You just download that video and the questions are there. Really all it is is fellowship, getting to know people are going through the same stage and age. And I just challenge you, we need everyone to host because we're going to have 500 new groups to get all the new people in to life groups. And we need you to host. And right after the service, there's gonna be all these tables out here where you can talk to people at different, uh, leaders of different uh, life groups and find out more about them. And we want everyone to join so that we can go through the joy challenge together and we can choose joy. It's gonna change your life, your family, our church, this community. 
when we start learning how to choose joy. And by the way, we're starting our women's Bible study Thursday, September 22nd. It's at 9.30 in the morning on Thursdays, and Chris is gonna be teaching it, and you can sign up for that Bible study right today when you go out and get ready because it's gonna be amazing. We're doing our men's Bible study Tuesday, September 20th at 7 p.m. It kicks off. And at both of our campuses, the women's Bible study at Tascacita will be Tuesdays, and it will start uh, the 27th on Tuesday, I believe it is, at 9.30 at Tascacita. We'll have a night women's Bible study as well. Uh, for those who can't come in the morning, childcare is available. It's amazing. Go sign up today. Get connected. There's no excuse. We're making it as easy as it can be to host a life group and get connected to a life group. I want you to look at the last verse of Psalm 126, verse six. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. See, the best place to discover joy is beneath the tears of sorrow because joy can't be stopped by the pain and problems in your life because it doesn't depend on circumstances. Happiness, on the other hand, depends on what's happening in your life. And if everything happening in your life is perfect, then you're happy. If all your circumstances are perfect, then you're happy. The problem is our circumstances are never perfect in this broken world. That's why we're rarely happy. You won't find joy at Disneyland. It may be the happiest place on earth, but when you leave it, you're not so happy because it's also the most expensive place on earth. But joy is found in the desert of problems and pain when you choose to look to God and he fills you with joy that no circumstance can steal. You can even find joy beneath the tears of sorrow when you cry out to God and an unexplainable joy wells up in your soul as your eyes are still welling up with tears. But there is a choice to be made and that's gonna be the key to our joy challenge starting in September. That's gonna be the key because you have to learn to choose joy. You gotta step into the place where the river is coming. You gotta step into the place and expect God's river of blessing to come your way, because it will. The river of joy will come your way when you make that choice. Growing up, I lived in a suburb outside Chicago called Glen Allen. It's all I had ever known. And the summer after seventh grade, my parents called my sisters and I together, sat us down on the sofa, and said, we have an announcement for you. They said, we are moving to Texas. Now, as if junior high wasn't hard enough already, now it was a move, a, a cross-country move I was looking at. And I've gotta say, to me, to my seventh grade self, that was the busy, biggest desert I could imagine. I just thought of Texas as cowboys or whatever. Didn't even know what was down here. And I'll never forget, on that summer moving day, our plane landed right after a big storm had hit and moved through and all the you know, storm had moved off. And I stepped off the plane and the air hit my face and it was like nothing I'd ever felt before. And I said, what's wrong with this place? Like, what, what is this to my parents? And they said, oh, it's called humidity, Chrissy. You'll get used to it, don't worry. Okay. And we pulled up to the house that I'd never seen before, and the moving truck was already there. 
And the movers started moving furniture in and you know, into the house, grabbing boxes, moving them in. And I just stood there in disbelief. I'll never forget it. I walked in, into the living room, and I sat on a big pile of boxes, just climbed to the top of it and sat down. My sisters were exploring the house and kind of excited, and I was just moping. I had just that morning said goodbye to all of my childhood friends, and now I truly felt like I was in a lonely desert. And I'd been sitting there about 10 minutes having a pity party for myself, all by myself on my boxes. And then suddenly there were a bunch of kids that wandered into my living room. And the movers had left the doors propped open as they moved things in. And so there was this group of kids, they were neighbors. And they had heard that there was a family that moved in and they thought they'd just come by and say hi. They'd heard that new family had kids. Now let me stop here and say, um, explain something. For those of you who actually grew up in Texas, doing that anywhere else in the country is called breaking and entering. Yeah. I, I, I was just astounded. Even as a 12-year-old, what? These people, they just walked in and these kids are all just standing here staring at me. You know, I still have tears you know, running down my face. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And what's more, they acted like we were already friends. They were just very friendly to me. And after introducing themselves and asking a few questions, like, so for how long have y'all been fixing to move down here? I thought, I thought, is there an interpreter nearby that I could use? <laughs> fixing what? What was I fixing? And they said, hey, we're about to go swim together over at the pool, the community pool. You want to come? And before I knew it, all of us, we're laughing. I'd climbed off my boxes, and we'd all started searching, trying to find a box with my name on it so I could find a swimsuit. And a few minutes later, I yelled to my mom, hey, I'm going to the pool. And she was like, what? And she leaned out around the corner of the kitchen and said, what? Wait, who are you going with? I said, my friends. I'm going with my friends. It was a game changer for me. Were there still struggles? Absolutely. It was hard. My whole life had changed. A lot of times I felt like I was on a different planet, honestly, living here. Like they eat different food. I remember the time I piled up what I thought were pickles. Um, and turns out they were jalapenos. Who does that? <laughs> it was like a cruel trick. Someone had piled jalapenos there. Different traditions, different ways of doing things. Homecoming. The mums are as big as your head. I thought, what, what is this? There are so many things where I felt like I was the odd one out. Riding to school that first day, going to class when it seemed like everybody else had friends. Everybody else was hugging and seeing friends they knew, and I felt like I was the only one who didn't know anyone. Trying to navigate all that and everything that came along with it. But, you know, I discovered something in my piney woods desert of Texas. Because since that time, I've gone through plenty more deserts that were much harder, much more heartbreaking. Stuff that I just didn't know if I could breathe to get to the next step. But I can see now that God used that time, that thing I didn't want at all, that move to Texas, to build something in me 
I would have stepped out of that desert if I could. I was still under my parents' authority. I didn't have a choice about moving. But God used it. He made me stronger. And when tougher stuff came, I was more ready for it. I knew what it was to feel like I was on the outside. And so a few years later, when for the first time I was invited to church and I heard the gospel and I trusted Christ, and suddenly I was an outsider in my own family, I had strength for that. And there are more things and more challenges and more troubles. That's the thing about deserts. We all have a lot of them to walk through in life, don't we? Some of you are going through deserts right now that I couldn't even imagine. But when I was in seventh grade, that was it. That was my biggest desert of my life, and it happened. And maybe that's where you find yourself right now. You found yourself in a place where you couldn't have dreamt this is where you would end up. And you think, I can't do it. I can't do this one. I'm not going to make it through. I can't keep breathing. I can't do it, Lord. No one else may know your pain, but I want you to know that God does. He sees you sitting there dejected on top of your boxes, boxed up dreams. He sees your tears. He sees you longing to go forwards or backwards or sideways or any way except for the path that you're on. And if this is you, I have a message for you today from God. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't run away. Leave the door open. Leave the door open. Expect God to come through. He will come through for you. He sees you. You are not alone. You are surrounded by love. You have a God who loves you, who chases after you. And I promise the good is yet to come. We're promised that by our God. And we can take his promises to the bank. He is trustworthy. Let's pray together. Father, this is holy ground. We feel like a bunch of lumps of clay, Lord, poked and prodded and squished and flattened. And sometimes we just get our eyes on ourselves and, and think, what is the point? What is it all for? Father, thank you for reminding us through your word and through your Holy Spirit that you have great plans for us, that everything you're doing in our lives now to make us more like your son, to make us more beautiful in that way, is for your glory and you have a purpose for it. Thank you that we are promised when we trust your son, Jesus Christ, that not only will this be used in this life, but in the one to come. Thank you for the goodness that's ahead of us, Lord. Please help us to keep our eyes on you this week. That we walk out of this place, Lord, transformed by your word. Determined to keep our eyes on you. Determined not to wander around in the desert sitting on our box, but to look to you and follow you and see where you're moving and jump in alongside you. Lord, we love you. We want to get attune ourselves to your Holy Spirit. Teach us your ways, Lord. We love you, Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together because God's won the victory. You know, he's right there. You step into that place, that river's coming. 
I believe with all my heart. You claim that this week. You expect God to come through. You look for that river that's coming, and you take a step into the place where God moves because God is moving at Woodland Church more than we've ever seen. God is changing lives. God is healing bodies and marriages and families. God is working so powerfully. God's healing damaged emotions. God's healing broken hearts and he wants to bring his river of healing to you this week. Do you believe that? Let's thank him for who he is and let's claim that by singing to him because God inhabits the praises of his people and we're gonna lift him up. We're gonna magnify him and when we do that, he meets our needs. Let's sing together. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.